0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9:23 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is April the 6th, 2023, and this is episode 699 of Bitcoin, and do you like playing guitars? I like playing guitars. I should probably play a lot more than I than I have. I've been playing guitar since I was, I don't know, 16 or something like that. You know, in a band, did the whole band thing, played live, it was fun. I didn't like the fact that, you know, in a college town, you know, where you're gonna play is, you're gonna play in a bar which means you're going to set up your shit at, I don't know, five o'clock PM in a bar and try to sound check and and figure out how you're not going to suck ass with with a bunch of people drinking in the middle of the day. Yeah. It not as, not as fun as you think. Cause you know, you, 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 you go see a show. Yeah. You go see like your favorite band playing live in Austin or something like that. And all you see is the show. You don't see the load in. You don't see setup. You don't see tear down. You don't see trying to figure out if your guitars are too loud or if the bass is like, you know, not loud enough or if the drums are drowning you out. And the only way you can do that is to play a tune. And well, a lot of times we got a lot of crap thrown at us, not, not physically, but a lot of people telling us to shut up and all kinds of stuff because they were enjoying their you know just after work beers and it it, it was kind of a difficult it was difficult but during the show you know i mean you could lose yourself you could lose yourself playing it was a, it was fascinating. In fact, I lost myself playing so many different times it wasn't even funny. And lost myself means that I kind of, you know, out of body experience, didn't really know where I was. I was just playing the music, man, playing the music. And this one night my girlfriend was in the audience at a place called the Kitchen Club in Lubbock, Texas. If you've ever been there, if you remember if anybody is listening to me that actually remembers the Kitchen Club, and I doubt that that's possible. But if there is, you need to send me a boostagram or DM me on Noster and let me know that you know what the kitchen club was, because that was kind of a special deal. Now, she's in the audience. There's a whole bunch of people in the audience. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of packed. Not a huge room, but, you know, it was pretty sizable. And we proceeded to play. And then we continued to play. And then we stopped playing. And then my bass player came over to me and he's like going, thank God you didn't stop playing, man. And I go, what are you, what the hell are you talking about? Why would I stop playing? And he goes, What, you didn't see that. Like, see what, what are you talking about? I like, I'm right here. What did I miss something? He's like, yeah, you missed the bar fight. I'm like, what? He's like, dude, you, he's like, are you telling me that you didn't see a bar fight at all. You didn't see a guy being slammed down over a table. You didn't see half the crowd in front of you literally move to one side of the building to get the hell out of the way. I'm like, no, he's like, holy crap. Really? I'm like, yeah, dude, I didn't see any of it. Girlfriend tells me about it at the time. Uh, or like after it was, after I talked to my bass player, I was like asking my girlfriend at the time, what the hell happened? She's like, yeah, it was bad. She's like, you didn't see any of it, did you? And I'm like, no, no, I was lost in the music, man. Why am I even telling you this story? Because Martin Guitars, one of the absolute finest luthiers on the planet, has released a Bitcoin guitar. I never thought that this would be possible. Read you an excerpt uh, here from musicradar.com, written by Bob Lang. Title is... N-A-M-M 2023, that's a music show. Martin CEO 10, Rabbit, and Bitcoin guitars dazzle in a limited edition selection from the Acoustic Giant. And we've got, you know, the CEO 10 uh, acoustic guitar, and we've got the Goetzl uh, ukulele. We've got something called the OM Biosphere. These things are all well over, you know, anywhere, well well over two grand, Right. Like the D8, the D28 uh, Klaus Vormann is eighteen thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine United States dollars for this six-string acoustic Martin guitar, and then, ladies and gentlemen, we come to the D42 Bitcoin Martin D42 Bitcoin eighteen thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine dollars. A nod to the latest global currency. This D42 includes a one ounce solid gold token coin embedded in the headstock with unique inlays on the fingerboard and the headstock. It features Guatemalan rosewood back and sides and is paired with an Engelmann spruce top. If you actually zoom in on this thing, at the mid-level, the octave fret of the guitar's neck, is the Bitcoin symbol in Mother of Pearl inlay. And honestly, the neck inlay artwork on the rest of the neck is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, the guitar itself is beautiful. It's a D42 Martin, what the hell are you gonna do, dude? But yeah, a solid gold one ounce coin is embedded in the headstock with the Bitcoin B on it as well. But here's the catch, well, there's no catch. Here's something else that I thought was interesting: is that this this other guitar, named the D Robert Getzel 6, it's the Rabbit guitar. For 11999 dollars you can pick up that which has the art inspired by a Chinese Zodiac year of the Rabbit and features original artwork by artist Robert Getzel hand-painted on the soundboard. This Getzel model features full gloss finished East Indian rosewood back and sides with a Sitka spruce top and forward shifted scalloped X bracing and ebony fingerboard and bridge and a stylized script logo on the headstock. Also features with a paper label signed by Robert Getzel. And on this guitar is just this giant white rabbit. What better pair of guitars could you buy than a Bitcoin guitar and a white rabbit guitar? the rabbit hole. It's perfect. I was like, I don't know what got up all, what, what got up in Martin's, you know, panties and britches to, to build a Bitcoin guitar. But honestly, I just thought it was so funny. So I had to start out this show with that bit of good news because we're going to get into this news. Report blast Bitcoin mining for pollution as usual, but Bitcoiners aren't buying it. As usual. Andrew Thorvalis from Decrypt.co starts us off. Bitcoin OGs are skeptical of reports published by the Environmental Working Group on Wednesday detailing how Bitcoin miners are polluting communities across the United States. We're killing people, ladies and gentlemen. Working. Through six case studies, the nonprofit group says it has documented how the mining industry is interfering with the day-to-day life of Americans through air, water, and noise pollution. Quote, the incessant din created by mining operations continues 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and is driving nearby residents to desperation, the report stated. One of its case studies followed a married couple in Cook County, Georgia, whose hearing has reportedly been damaged thanks to one of Blockstream's nearby Bitcoin mining facilities. Another case study focused on stronghold digital mining in Vinago County, Pennsylvania. The company combusts coal refuse to power Bitcoin mining machines and then spreads the leftover coal ash over land areas to be used as fertilizer. The the Environmental Working Group argued that the toxic pollutants within that ash fertilizer are carried into nearby rivers and streams when it rains, thereby polluting the water. Quote, what these mines have in common is their use of proof of work, which is wasteful by design. There's the narrative, ladies and gentlemen. The report asserted calling it highly inefficient to require vast amounts of fossil fuel generated electricity to operate. Bitcoin and other decentralized blockchains that allow all network participants to agree on the sequential order of transactions while also issuing new coin in a non-subjective manner. Powerful computers compete in a race to construct Bitcoin's next block of transactions by solving a complex math problem. (laughs) No, and are rewarded with new BTC for solving it first. It is not a complex math problem, it's guessing. It's as complex as throwing a two-sided die. Well, okay. It's as complex as throwing maybe a couple of billion two-sided dies. But nonetheless, nonetheless, it's not a complex. It's not like a, it's not like a, you know, like a parametric equation or a linear algebra matrix. It's not like that. It's guessing. You're guessing for whatever. You know, I'm done. Many modern blockchains use an alternative consensus mechanism called proof of stake, which uses cryptocurrency rather than energy to secure the network. Uh Uh-huh. Here we go with the narrative. EWG has long called for Bitcoin developers to change its code and cut its energy use in a similar fashion, backing another well-funded environmental campaign to do so. And they're talking about Greenpeace USA. However, Prominent Bitcoin developers are not remotely interested in such high-stake protocol changes. Blockstream CEO and suspected Bitcoin creator, oh for whatever. Blockstream CEO Adam Back says energy costs for producing new Bitcoin are necessary for it to function as money. Quote, people are buying digital gold to protect against inflation and monetary erosion. Central banks are buying physical gold for similar reasons at a record pace. Gold is costly to mine uh, analogously. Is that even a word? And that's also inherent to hard money. When asked by EWG about Blockstream's noise pollution, Blockstream mining head Chris Cook described the facility as barely audible. Crickets are louder. Long-time Bitcoin developer Luke Dash Jr. also uh, contested that Bitcoin was a source of environmental harm, arguing that the fiat currency system is much more harmful. Proof of work is actually good for the environment, he told Decrypt via DM. It makes clean energy like solar viable on its own, where previously it would typically require fossil fuel to complement it. Meanwhile, the developer dismissed proof-of-stake as a scam, referencing a 2015 essay describing the system as unworkable. Quote, by depending only on resources within the system, proof-of-stake cannot be used to form a distributed consensus since it depends on the very history it is trying to form to enforce loss of value, stated the report's author, Andrew Pol- Polstra. Okay, this is the same narrative. They're, just, it, they're combining forces at this point. Now we've got the Environmental Working Group and Greenpeace USA. It's not Greenpeace at large. It's Greenpeace USA and the Environmental Working Group are both starting to parrot the same narrative. And that is change the code. If you want to change the code, you have every right to submit a pull request. No pull requests have been submitted by either the environmental working group nor Greenpeace USA. There's not, not a single change of code has been submitted for review by either one of these people. So if you're going to fight to change the code, then you need to submit a code change via a pull request via GitHub. It's, if you really want this done, that's the way you do it. If you're not going to do it, we're not listening. And by the way, even if you did, it's not going to happen. I won't run any software that has anything to do with proof of stake. And I'm not the only one you will find you might get a couple of percentage points of full node runners that will validate that kind of crap, but it's just going to end up in a chain split and a hard fork, or rather a hard fork, and you can go do whatever the hell you want with your hard fork. You can airdrop me the money and I won't claim it. I I just don't care. So when people are parroting this narrative, yet they do not posit any actual code changes to be reviewed, you know they're just blowing smoke, which in and of itself is a pollutant. Now, on to Bitcoin Magazine and BTC Casey. United States Bitcoin Corp reaches tentative settlement with city of Niagara Falls to restart its operations. United States Bitcoin Corp, or corporation I suppose, a Bitcoin mining company that has been operating a mining facility in the city of Niagara Falls has reached a tentative agreement with the city to restart operations, according to a report. The miner, which recently agreed to a merger with HUT-8, putting both companies under the umbrella of HUT-8 Corp., will have to comply with strict measures in order to begin operations which were halted in March by a state Supreme Court judge. The judge found that the operators of the facility were in contempt of another judge's court order. Under the agreement, U.S. Bitcoin would be required to comply with a series of standards for noise reduction and permit applications. These include limiting noise, productions, <coughs> noise production from the facility to no more than 65 decibels and submitting completed applications for all permits needed to comply with the city city's new high energy usage overlay district, the report details. They would also have to compensate the city in several ways, including paying an upfront non-refundable $50,000 fee upon execution of the agreement. In addition to that, U.S. Bitcoin would be required to pay the city a $100,000 compliance fee within 30 days of the agreement's effective date. The company would also be required to reimburse the city for $180,000 in attorney fees and costs tied to its enforcement action against the company as listed by the agreement. The Niagara Falls City Council still has to approve the agreement. So yeah, who knows where the hell that's going to go. But a couple of fun facts here. The first electricity generation ever in the United States, as far as I'm aware of, was at Niagara Falls. That's the, the whole fight between Tesla and Edison. The different Edison wanted DC or direct current. As the electricity standard for the United States, what would become the United States grid, and Tesla was like, you do that, and you've got like maybe five percent efficiency because DC current or or well direct current doesn't transmit very well. It doesn't have longevity as it goes over wires, right? It's great for really highly localized shit like the battery of your car to your you know starter motor on your car. But after that, yeah, you start losing a lot of electricity. It was Tesla that said, no, 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 no. We use alternating current and that will get us the transmission efficiency that we're looking for. And Tesla won. And the first generation of electricity in the United States started at Niagara Falls. And I believe it was Westinghouse. That did the generate the that provided the ge- that built the generators based on Tesla's design. I'm not sure on that, but I do know that uh, Niagara Falls was pretty much the start of the electrification of the United States of America. The second thing about this is I don't have any problems with people and with people saying that Bitcoin miners are too noisy because they are. they're really noisy. And you know what? is really great about their particular brand of noise is that it's not subsonic, which means that it's not in tones of 20 Hertz or below where you feel it more than you hear it. In fact, it's a high pitched whine. And the difference between those two sets of frequencies is it's really easy to kill high range noise through sonic insulation. And it's also not all that expensive to do. It's the subsonic crap that is really almost impossible to get rid of. So, if people if there are mining facilities out there that you can hear them from the road, that's not good. I'll, I'll, I will give these people that. That's not good. And if you've ever heard a whole bunch of miners going off, you know that it is it's a nasty, nasty noise. But luckily, You can shield against that. It doesn't take that much. Yes, it's going to cost money, but in the long run, it's better for nobody to know where your mining operation is because they can hear it. If you know what I'm talking about, it's like, it's also an OPSEC deal. Now getting into pure stupidity. I'm really sad that my home state of Texas has decided to do the following. Decrypt.co Stacey Elliott brings us, is Texas still very open for business for Bitcoin mining? And we're going to find out. Up until quite recently, Texas was, in fact, very open for business, as it were, for Bitcoin mining. That's how Jamie Leverton, CEO of Canadian Bitcoin miner Hut8, put it on the latest episode of Decrypt's Good Morning podcast, or GM podcast. Quote, They have in West Texas, in particular, a lot of renewable assets that are looking for stable baseloads like a Bitcoin miner can provide. So I think it was really just a... Really, really nice fit between the needs of the state and what a Bitcoin miner can uniquely provide as really an industrial-scale battery, end quote. That symbiotic relationship has worked because unlike data centers, whose always-on-client agreements make voluntarily shutting down impossible, Bitcoin miners can cut their power consumption when there's a lot of demand on the grid. Quote, we scale up and down within minutes on a regular basis based on the needs of the grid, Leverton said. And so far, the Electric Reli- Reliability Council of Texas, or ERCOT, has been willing to extend incentives for miners to do just that. But a bill introduced in March, Texas Senate Bill 1751, seeks to limit those benefits granted to Bitcoin miners that cut their power consumption with when Texas, which has a power grid independent from the rest of the United States, is experiencing high demand. Now, on Tuesday, the bill was unanimously approved in a state Senate committee vote. All right, let's read that again so you understand where this bill sits. It's passed its committee. It has yet to go to the Senate floor of the state of Texas. All this thing is through is through committee. The problem is, is it passed 10 to zero. Every single member of the committee wants to take out their gun, and pull the trigger while it's aimed at their head. Because that's what Texas would be doing at this point. Not sure who these 10 people are, though. Continuing on, it still needs to win approval from the full Senate before it heads to the House of Representatives and then to Governor Greg Abbott's desk. But Texas Blockchain Council President Lee Bratcher sees the bill as a cause for concern. He told Decrypt in an email that he expects it can win approval in in the Senate but not the Texas house. Quote, SB1751 is a concerted effort by established industry groups in the ERCOT marketplace to tilt the playing field in their favor because they cannot compete with Bitcoin miners when it comes to load flexibility, Bratcher said. On Twitter, Satoshi Act Fund CEO and co-founder Dennis Porter said he and Pierre Rochard, Riot Platform's vice president of research, spent eight hours in the Texas Capitol on Tuesday, quote, to share our opposition to the anti-Bitcoin mining bill in the Senate. Meanwhile, Hut8 told Decrypt in an email on Wednesday that although the company will soon have operations in the state once it completes its pending merger with U.S. Bitcoin, it won't comment on the bill at the moment because it doesn't currently mine in Texas. Despite that fact, HUT 8, which trades on both sides of NASDAQ and Toronto Stock Exchange under the HUT ticker, was among the publicly traded mining companies to take a tumble the day after SB 1751 vote. Its shares ended trading on Wednesday down a full six points. Similarly, Marathon Digital was down 7%, Riot Platforms fell 4%, and Canaan fell 2 So good job, Texas. Excellent work there, Senate committee. That's just perfect because how are you going to load balance? You have, ERCOT has, until Bitcoin mining, ERCOT had literally no load balancing abilities whatsoever. So I, and there's something, there's something here, this, this one sentence kind of messes with my head a little bit. SB 1751 is a concerted effort by established industry groups within the ERCOT marketplace to tilt the playing field in their favor because they cannot compete with Bitcoin miners when it comes to load flexibility. Who are these industry groups that Bratcher is talking about? I really wish that there had been a lot more detail about who these industry groups are because I'm not sure who else has the capacity or a business model or a revenue model that allows their whatever X product or service to function as a load balancer on the ERCOT grid. If you guys know what Bratcher is, who Bratcher is talking about, and what what other than Bitcoin mining as a service or a product functions as a load balancer on an electrical grid. If you guys know what those products and or services are, please let me know because I don't know of anything. So I'm trying to figure out who these industry leaders are that want to tip the scales in their favor, because if they tip the scales in their favor and they have no load balancing capacity whatsoever, and I don't see that they do because I'm not, like I said, I don't know what products or services are out there that function the way a Bitcoin miner does in being able to ramp up and ramp down within minutes. It's, it certainly can't be data centers. We've already covered that. And if you don't know why, it's because if I am like wanting to get a, buy a book off of Amazon and all of a sudden Texas just decides to shut off Amazon's data centers that do some of them of which do reside in Texas, then it's a chance that I might be affected as an Amazon customer because w- the data servicing me is coming out of Texas and it's shut off because they were going to do what load balance the grid. I don't know, the whole thing seems very confusing, uh, but we gotta watch this. It's uh, Senate Bill 1751 in Texas. We'll, we'll be keeping an eye on it here at Bitcoin. And now getting into further stupidity, luxury brands Bugatti and Asprey announce Bitcoin inscriptions collection as if the idiocy wasn't solid enough. BTC Casey brings us even more from Bitcoin Magazine. Legendary car maker Bugatti and luxury goods company Asprey have partnered to create a limited edition collection of eggs that will be inscribed on the Bitcoin blockchain using the Ordinal's protocol. there's a picture of one right here. And actually it's quite beautiful. It looks like a uh, Fabergé egg, (coughs) but uh, still stupid. According to the announcement by Bugatti, The Asprey Bugatti Egg Collection will be the first-ever collection by two luxury brands using a state-of-the-art technique of inscribing digital content on the Bitcoin blockchain, ensuring the artwork will last indefinitely. The collection's physical counterparts will be created using Asprey Studios' cutting-edge production techniques and materials. The eggshell of the Royal Edition will be made from carbon fiber, and intricately crafted into the perfect egg shape during a long and complex process according to the announcement. The surface of the egg will feature a dancing elephant motif recreated in perfect detail from one of Rembrandt Bugatti's original sculptures. It was this work of art that adorned the bonnet of the Bugatti Type 41 Royale renowned as the most luxurious car ever created the announcement describes quote we are proud to present the asprey bugatti egg collection not only does this push the boundaries on a production level but the generative art coded by our strategic partner and bitcoin experts MetaGood, using the equation of the egg shape of the actual sculpture as an nft on bitcoin is a new form of expression in art itself Ali Walker, chief creative officer at Asprey Studio said. Uh, Wibke Stahl, and there's no way I'm pronouncing that name correctly, managing director at Bugatti International, explained that, quote, the creation of the Asprey Bugatti egg collection is a wonderful homage to our history and the creations of Ettore, designed with the pioneering spirit and attention to detail that led to his brand becoming revered throughout the world. Yeah, eggs on the blockchain. Now, I'll give it to them. I'm going to give it to them. These eggs are actually pretty cool looking. Uh, And the fact that they are going to manufacture these physically, well, you know, at least there's that. At least there's something that you can hold. But ordinal inscriptions, ordinals, inscriptions, and all that kind of stuff to do this on, on Bitcoin just does the same thing. It just bogs down the chain. It's... It's unnecessary data, in my opinion. There's no reason at all to do this. You could do this on liquid, you know, and nobody uses liquid. So they might as well start figuring out a way to use it for something. And that's one of the reasons why I wonder why Blockstream is not more into saying, hey, come over and use, you know, they need to be marketing liquid for this kind of thing. Rather than allowing it to go to Bitcoin, which is just, like I said, just going to bog down the chain and whatnot. Now, Islam and crypto. We've heard a lot about, you know, is, is, is it halal? You know, is, it, is, it, is Bitcoin kosher if it came to, you know, to Jewish stuff? Uh, let's find out more about what's going on with this one. Islam and crypto, how digital assets can comply with Islamic financial law, which is actually pretty, pretty detailed detailed. I'm just, I'm just saying Coin Telegraph Anthony Clark has it. Islamic banking and finance is a system based on the principles of Sharia or Islamic law, which among other things, prohibits the charging or paying of interest on loans and emphasizes ethical and equitable financial transactions. One of the more notable traits of Islamic banking is its prohibition on charging or paying interest on loans which is the basis of conventional banking. Instead, Islamic finance is based on profit and loss sharing agreements between the lender and the borrower. The lender shares the investment risk with the borrower, and both parties share the profits or losses. Sharia law permits investment in in intangible goods like stocks, bonds, and digital assets like cryptocurrencies. Sharia-compliant assets do not have to be backed by physical goods so long as they have a real utility. Additionally, Sharia only permits investments in businesses and projects that are not harmful to society, so no gambling, alcohol, or tobacco. Transparency is essential to Islamic finance, and all financial transactions must be disclosed to all parties involved. Islamic finance is also supervised by Sharia boards, which comprise Islamic scholars who ensure that all financial transactions comply with the principles of Sharia. Islamic finance offers several products and services, including Maduraba, Masharaka, Murabaha, Ijara, and Sukuk. I probably butchered all five of those, but <laughs> I tried. I really did. I, I tried, guys. So uh, the, those. let's give a description of those. Madurabah is a profit-sharing agreement between the investor and the entrepreneur. Mushakara is a partnership arrangement in which two or more parties share profits and losses of a business venture. Murabaha is a, scale, is a sale contract in which the buyer and seller agree on a markup on the cost of the goods or services sold. Ijara is a leasing agreement in which the leasee pays the lessor a rental fee to use the asset. Sukuk is an Islamic bond based on the principles of asset-based financing. So what makes a Sharia-compliant cryptocurrency? To develop a compliant cryptocurrency, a team of ex- experts in Islamic finance and technology, including Islamic scholars, financial experts, and developers come together to determine the design and features of the cryptocurrency. This team will ensure the coin is based on a profit and loss sharing system rather than interest-based lending. Goodbye, DeFi. This means that investors share in the profits and losses of the business venture rather than receiving a fixed rate of return on their investment. Once the cryptocurrency is ready for issuance, A Sharia supervisory board must review and certify the coin before Muslim investors can start using it. This certification process involves a detailed review of the cryptocurrency's features and design. One example of a Sharia-compliant digital asset is, oh God, here it comes, Islamic coin. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Wow. Built on the Hach network blockchain. In June 2022, Islamic coin gained a fatwa, a ruling by an Islamic authority for its Sharia compliance. Like many cryptocurrencies, it follows a deflationary model preventing new coins from being created on a whim. In addition, whenever a new ISLM is the... uh, is the coin ticker, is minted on the network. 10% is sent to the Evergreen Dow, a decentralized autonomous organization that invests the proceeds into Islamic charities or online projects. The contribution of funds to charity follows Zakat, one of the pillars of Islam. Sharia compliant cryptocurrencies are a relatively new and evolving development in digital currencies. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's 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 the newest shit coin on the block. While designed to comply with the principles of Islamic finance, they are not without controversy and there is an ongoing debate among Islamic scholars about whether the cryptocurrencies are truly compatible with Sharia. Andrew Kutsnov, a founder of the Haka Network, told Cointelegraph, quote, Developing a Bitcoin environment that supports Sharia law is also difficult. This involves forming alliances with financial institutions, states, and other parties to ensure that the coin is broadly recognized and can be used per Islamic ideals." Quote. One concern from the perspective of Islamic financial scholars is the issue of crypto as a speculative investment, which is not permitted as it contains grahar, meaning uncertainty, hazard, or risk, or the sale of what is not present. Mohammed al-Khaf al-Hashmi, a co-founder of Islamic coin, told Cointelegraph, quote, Sharia prohibits and treats as void transactions that rely on chance or speculation rather than an effort to produce a return, end quote. However, he added, quote, this principle does not prohibit commercial speculation in a business or trading transaction as Sharia laws are smart and flexible enough to adopt tech changes in every era. According to Al-Hashmi, a cryptocurrency can comply with Islamic law if, quote, developed with the right intentions, for example, actual utility, rather than purely for trading or speculation. As such, whether a coin can be considered halal or permissible comes down to a matter of design according to Kutznov. Quote, the use and architecture of a cryptocurrency are the determining factors in whether or not it complies with Sharia law, he said. He pointed to cryptocurrency use cases, including payment or value of storage, which could be more easily considered Sharia compliant. Stablecoins, for example, can be seen as a form of asset-based financing, which is a principle of Islamic finance. Stablecoins like USD coin and Tether are backed by real-world asset reserves. Some cryptocurrencies have even been created specifically for Islamic finance, such as one gram, which is backed by gold reserves. Kutznov concluded, quote, while there are challenges to creating and adopting Sharia compliant coins, we can overcome these challenges with the proper mix of instruction, legislation, and technical ingenuity, End quote. When it comes to the benefits of Sharia compliant cryptocurrencies, there is potential for attracting additional users from countries where Islam is the predominant religion since it would reduce any concerns religious investors may have about cryptocurrency. Al Hashmi said, quote, Increasing Muslims' access to financial services is one of the possible benefits of cryptocurrencies that comply with Sharia law. In addition, Sharia compliant cryptocurrencies may provide a mechanism for Muslims who have been denied access to conventional banking to conduct financial transactions in accordance with their religious views. Quote, more capital investment in Islamic banking might also be a favorable outcome. To the extent that cryptocurrencies can be made Sharia compatible, they may be able to entice Muslims looking for investments that respect the religious principles. Because of this, there may be greater progress and expansion in the Islamic finance industry, which is good for the economy as a whole, end quote. As the financial world continues to evolve and new technologies emerge, it will be important for Muslim investors to carefully consider the compatibility of these new developments with the principles of Islamic finance and ensure that they align with this system's ethical and social goals. That's the end of the article. My only advice is just use Bitcoin. Well, you don't have to spin up a shitcoin for this. You just don't use. You just don't use like stuff like. Um, well, ledn, uh, L-E-D-N, is a, a way to leverage Bitcoin and produce yield or get a loan from or stuff like that. Not Sharia compliant, at least according to this. And then there was BlockFi, which is now dead, thank God, which was, you know, and I I think I said it on yesterday's show it was usurious insofar that it promised you an impossible yield. And of course, they went bust. They got caught up in the FTX crap and, you know, doing all kinds of nefarious stuff. And they're now gone, as far as I know, they're gone. It's like not, you know, not, not Sharia compliant, you know? But Bitcoin itself doesn't have a yield. See, that's the thing is that if you, if you take out all the wrappers that people try to wrap around Bitcoin, all the services and functions and stuff that have nothing to do with the core protocol, then in my opinion, and also in the opinion of, you know, some Islamic scholars, and this has been going on for a couple of years, have said that Bitcoin's core protocol is Sharia compliant. The second that you use Bitcoin to gain a yield in one way or another, either on the borrowing or the lending side, then you're out of Sharia compliance, and a Muslim would not be able to take part of that particular system. But buying Bitcoin and holding Bitcoin serves the same amount of purpose for any Muslim in the world as it does for any Christian, any Jew, you name it, because it doesn't have these things, you know, and I I talked about the usurious yield as the fifth rule of gold. You do not invest your gold in any entity or system that offers usurious returns. If you follow that, if you have followed that advice, even before I started talking about the five rules of gold from the richest man in Babylon, then you did not get caught up in BlockFi. You did not get caught up in FTX. You didn't get caught up in any of this crap. You slept like a baby knowing that your Bitcoin was in cold storage that you held the keys to. Everybody else has had problems sleeping for the last two years. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. And maybe that's what Sharia law when it comes to financing is all about. Although I will leave you with this final question. If I was a Muslim and I needed to buy a house and I did not have the money to buy the house up front, lock, stock and barrel and have no mortgage. How am I going to buy a house and be compliant with Sharia law? Are there Sharia home lenders? Because honestly, I'd kind of like to go talk to them about how I might partake of that kind of stuff. Because this whole yield crap has polluted everything in the world. You know, there's something, I I will take whatever I find good and wholesome from whatever religion I find, even though that I am myself a Christian. You know, the Old Testament is a Jewish text. I don't know if people know that the Old Testament is a Jewish text. The New Testament is a Christian text. However, all Christians that I know have a Bible which contains both the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And guess where a lot of guess where a lot of Muslims actually guess where guess where Islam came from. Came out of the Old Testament. You can go all the way back to who was it? Not Noah. Um Abraham. Abraham gave birth to both the Jewish faith and the Islam faith. You can go read those stories. You got to go way back to like the first few chapters of the of the Old Testament. But that's where Islam came from. They hold a lot of the same beliefs, especially when it comes to food. What, you know, like a lot of stuff that's kosher is halal. <laughs> There's clearly going to be some differences, but still, in the end, this all kind of was born out of the same place. And one of the reasons why Jewish and like when we're just talking about food, one of the reasons why the the Jews and the and Islam of old were so fanatical about you can't put this food with this food and you can't eat that, was it because God threw down a tablet? and said, don't eat cloven animals. It was because there was diseases present at that time because they didn't have ice, they didn't have refrigeration. You know, they, they had salt as a preservative, but some things just, they don't preserve. And, and if you have a tribe and your existence depends on health, the last thing you want to do is have food poisoning because that could screw your tribe up. And that's where this stuff came from. Finances is going to follow the same suit. It's like, we cannot allow one tribe member to stand on the head of another tribe member because it's going to sow dissent in the tribe. And that's going to make it difficult for the tribe as a whole to be able to be successful and prosperous and not fall into disease and debauchery, right? Some of these laws are good laws. I actually happen to like the, the the Sharia compliance when it comes to finance. When it, even though that I'm a Christian, I'm looking at this going, yeah, you know that's actually a pretty good idea. And you can hate me or love me for it. I don't. I don't really care. I find what I I find what I think is useful, and I apply it to myself. That's why I Bitcoin. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities got West Texas Intermediate down almost a quarter of a point, still at $80.42 a barrel. Brent North Sea down 0.16% to $84.85 a barrel. Natural gas, doing what natural gas does, it's down almost a full five points to $2.05 per thousand cubic feet. And I'm going to pause right there to mention that the numbers just came in for the United States stockpile of natural gas, and we're down like we're down f- in our inventories further than we thought we were going to be down. And what's the reaction for natural gas? The price drops. Does that make sense? Not really. Gasoline, however, is also down 0.66% to $2.80 a gallon. Uh, guys on the West Coast are probably bracing for impact. And I'm on the I'm not on the West Coast. I'm inland Northwest. So don't have quite as bad of a time buying gasoline as I would in Seattle. Now, gold down 0.39% to $2,027.70. Silver is up a third of a point to $25.12. Platinum up 1.14%. Copper is up three quarters of a percent. Palladium is up two and three quarters of a percent. Uh, ag is mixed, fully mixed. And our biggest winner today is sugar, 2.96% to the upside. And our biggest loser is soybeans today is down 1.34%. Got live cattle at 1.58% increase. Uh, lean hogs up seven nope, 0.72%. And feeder cattle's to the upside, Dow down scant, it's basically moving sideways. Uh, S&P is up a quarter of a point, NASDAQ is up a third of a point, and the S&P mini is down one-tenth of a point. Real money is at $28,135.95 after 532,000 BTC have changed hands in the last 24 hours. Average transaction value of 1.5 BTC, Median transaction value of 0.01 BTC or 284 bucks or thereabouts. And holy smokies, block times are very low, 8 minutes and 53 seconds. We just had a difficulty adjustment either early this morning or late last night. I can't really tell which yet. Uh, We have 0.2 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 33 full BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. With a five percent decrease in hash rate, we are at 339.9 exahashes per second. Dogecoin, your your shitcoin indicator, is at nine United States pennies. Uh, that was after an eight percent drop. Apparently, the uh, wind is going out of the out of the sails of Elon Musk's little Doge stunt. However, he does not relent because, as of last look, yet today. Twitter still has the Dogecoin icon up or the Doge meme symbolizing at this point, Dogecoin up on Twitter. It's all over the place. Looks to me that even though he's doing that, people are getting their fill. Who knows what the hell this lunatic is going to do next? We have a $540 billion market cap that is... Just under 4% of gold's entire market cap, you can purchase 13.8 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,338,730.71 of, and 5,405.65 of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at, again, 151 0.3 million dollars being run over 16,357 nodes sporting 74,444 payment channels and 67.1% of all that's being run over Tor. We have an April 20th estimated difficulty change of minus 24%. <laughs> Don't let that worry you. We're just at the very head of the calculation of the new difficulty adjustment it's not going to be anywhere close to down 24%. It's because a whole bunch of people put a whole bunch of hash rate online, as usual, right around the difficulty adjustment. It's it's amazing, but it happens every time. Expect that number to um, be not minus 24% very, very soon. It's probably more like the end of the day, and a and especially about three or four days from now when it gets enough calculations, it ain't going to be no minus minus twenty four percent. I guarantee you that. Now, I got twenty one satoshis per v byte uh, for a low priority transaction fee. Thirty four satoshis per v byte for a high priority or next block fee. That's going to cost you around a buck thirty four to get a general regular old fashioned SegWit transaction into the blockchain next block. Looks like there's about 108 blocks uh, waiting to clear. And let's see here, what, how many transactions are we looking at? I don't know, 24, 000, uh, 26 or 27,000 transactions. That's according to mempool.space. And that's the end of the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. We start this one with boostograms. Dale Jr., 20,000 sats. Another boost to help the reach. My first fold funding from my debit card was flagged as suspicious, and because of that, I am only allowed to direct deposit from my paycheck. Some of my spending does not allow prepaid debit cards, and my payouts vary per pay period, making it difficult to transfer a set amount every time, have pretty much quit using it for the time being. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't like hearing hearing about that. And I'll I I like the guys over at Fold. I I really do. You know, sometimes I, I I bitch about the whole fact of you know well the things that I've I've yelled about before. But generally speaking, they've always been some pretty good Joes. I do hope that this clears up. I, but they're in this weird regulatory environment, man. And, uh, oh, yes, before I start, yes, I've got to do this one. It's not a boostagram. This is a statement that I was wrong, 100% wrong about my theory on Paxful. Ray Youssef was on Matt O'Dell's Citadel Dispatch podcast yesterday. Go listen to it. It is a brutal story. It's a brutal story about what Ray is going through, why Paxville is shutting down, and no, as far as I can tell, given what Ray said, he's not part of the no one's team. Remember I called it Nunez? Yeah, this is one of the reasons why I listened to Matt O'Dell, <laughs> to make sure that when I'm wrong, exactly in what ways that I'm wrong, and I was also wrong about the pronunciation of Nunez. It is not pronounced Nunez, it is no one's, like no one's chain, no one's problem. You know, it's it, it, it ain't mine and it ain't no one else's either. That that kind of no one's, right? And Bitnob, if, for those of you who want me to say Bitnob again. Anyway, um, he's being sued by his partner, his former co-founder of Paxful, and it's apparently very brutal. He's taken, a, Ray's taken a lot of shit from his users. They are calling him a scammer. They're calling him a rug puller. And I, I've, I've never met Ray. I've read a lot of his like writings. I've read him on this show. I've followed Paxful. I've, I've followed Paxful ever since I found out about it, probably around 2016. Ray's always been, as far as I can tell, above board, straight shooter, And an ethical player and the, the level of crap that he's been getting, and he was getting crap live on air with Matt Odell, um, is it's kind of reprehensible guys. So, you know, give, give the guy a break. He, when he can't release funds, it's not because he won't release funds. It's because he can't. The United States regulatory authority, has basically hamstrung Paxful from releasing a good amount of funds. Withdrawals are open for those that are not flagged. But if your account is flagged because of, you know, I don't know, whatever the United States government finds malicious or inherently bad in your dealings, you got to go talk to them. And you're not going to be able to talk to them. They don't allow that kind of shit. So give the man a break, but, as far as I can tell, what he was saying is that he doesn't have anything to do with Bitnob and no one's, yet there's this sliver inside of me that says that he's going to end up there. I'm not trying to make myself right, in despite the fact that I'm 100% directionally and functionally wrong. It's just that it makes sense for Ray to exit this entire thing. And that court case is going to take years, by the way. So you probably won't hear from Ray Youssef as far as Bitcoin is concerned for quite a while, at least in opening up another company. Hopefully he gets this mess cleared up. I'd like to see him actually attach himself to no ones in Bitnob and carry forth the mission that he set out to be able to onboard the continent of Africa to Bitcoin. So there you go. Now, JC Denson with 15,000 Satoshi says, Let's get you back into the top 10 for episode 700. Oh, that would be awesome, guys. And that's that would be the last uh, episode 700s tomorrow. That'll be the last episode of the week. It would be great if you guys did. You guys have already boosted me from number 19 spot yesterday to the number 14 spot today. That's that's all you. That is all you. And I am I'm am grateful for it. Thank you, because that helps spread the reach of the show. These podcasting 2.0 charts are becoming more important as far as discovery is concerned. And the more discovery I can get on this show means the less I have to rely on my current audience to help me get back into the top 10. We can quote unquote, share the load. And wartime psycho is sharing the load with 10,000 Satoshi says, just a reminder to everyone, try out Calix OS or graphene phones. The, that feeling of relief when you go to Nostra versus Twitter is the similar relief you'll feel knowing your phone isn't streaming mass amounts of data when you're using it. I agree. M dual with a striper boost 7,777 Satoshi says, great show. Thanks for real sound money signal, amigo. No fiat bullshit. Much appreciated. Nick underscore dose with three, four, five, six says, cheers. Joseph Joey Joe with 2100 sat says, you're pure signal, bro. Thanks for what you do. Thank you for listening. I wouldn't be here without you. You're the reason I'm here, Joe. So just, let's be clear about that. Uh, Floydian slip says. With 2,000 sats says, rise, rise, rise up the charts. I'm not looking for the number one spot, guys. I'm not. I probably should be. I probably should be. But honestly, top 10. I'm looking for top 10. We can work to number one later. Now, on with the news. While others try to tokenize everything, Bitcoin stores value bitcoinmagazine.com, and it's written by Mickey Koss. The demand for tokenizing assets like real estate is not a solution to, but rather a symptom of, the problems that bad money perpetuates. Real estate should be reduced to its utility value as a dwelling or a place of business rather than used as a store of value by proxy if we ever hope to solve the growing gap in wealth inequality. Blockworks highlighted this advancement in technology without properly addressing the potential side effects that widespread asset tokenization may cause. Now, what is he referring to here? Well, there's this link that there's this post, I guess, on LinkedIn that says the following. If you're still trying to figure out where crypto can and is going, Use cases like this one highlighted by Michael Bodley at Blockworks demonstrate how traditionally non-liquid assets like residential real estate can be accessible to global markets. In 2022, real estate assets were estimated to be valued at over $326 trillion globally. $259 trillion of that is residential. And by the way, that's trillion with a T, ladies and gentlemen. Very exciting to see what Realty and Roofstock are working on. Uh, and then they give a picture to this. I, I guess it's like a headline from Blockworks that says, Atlanta Home tokenized on Ethereum nets $214,000 in under three minutes. So it's this tokenization of real estate that we're talking about. So let's continue on. In the comments section, tokenization is touted as a means for individuals who are unable to purchase a home of their own to participate in the real estate market. But why are houses so expensive in the first place? Because they're being used as stores of value, a former function of fiat money that is no longer possible due to decades of fiscal and monetary alchemy that has decimated people's purchasing power. Tokenizing assets like real estate, will only make matters worse as crowds shove money into the market, driving prices higher. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. People buy houses because they know the prices will go up. Then the prices do go up and more demand comes in to chase the gains. Every investor following their individual incentives puts owning a home further out of reach for the average citizen. This is not a solution. Furthermore, a blockchain is simply a ledger or record of who owns what. With Ethereum specifically, there's no meaningful link to the real world which would allow for native contract enforcement, preventing rug pulls of these token holders. The whole system ultimately relies upon legacy law enforcement and the judicial system to uphold the property rights of these investors, a system that appears to be increasingly hostile in enforcement actions against the crypto industry writ large. Bitcoin adoption is fundamentally different, a fact that crypto folks seem to misunderstand completely. Rather than mindlessly tokenizing assets, Bitcoin seeks to fix the monetary issues that drive a desire to do so in the first place. By serving as an actual store of value, Bitcoin drains the monetary premium that real estate has accrued over the past decades due to the broken monetary system. Under a Bitcoin standard, housing will ultimately collapse to its utility value, making houses affordable once more to the everyday citizen. Tokenization is just another perpetuation of the current system in a faux peer-to-peer wrapper disguised as financial innovation. Don't let the new shiny thing distract you from what's broken. Fix the money and all of these things become meaningless. That's right. However, I don't think that Mickey is 100% correct here because I don't think we've got to wait for uh, Bitcoin to suck all the premium value out of real estate. I think that that's going to happen all by its lonesome. Now, I got to go back to cnbcfutures.com and see if this thing is still here. I meant to put it up here. Um, Oh, okay. Now, over in the trending now section on the right-hand side of cnbc.com, futures and commodities, which is where I get you the gold prices and all that stuff. Number five trending story is this, a hidden time bomb, a big short investor sees financial disaster brewing in housing markets. I have a theory. Now I was completely wrong about my Paxful theory. So take this theory with the same grain of salt, don't use it to actualize and go, well, Dave said, do this. So I'm going to go do this. No, that's just dumb. Don't do that. Not just with me, with anybody, but look at it as maybe I should look further into this for myself, for my own opinions about it. So here's what I kind of think. What about this? What happens if, before Bitcoin sucks the premium out of all markets, which it eventually will, what happens if people are just deciding, you know what, this whole BRICS thing, and I'm guilty of this too, by the way, I was thinking about that this morning. What if this whole BRICS thing really blows up? And I mean, blows up for them in a good way, which is bad for the United States of America and the West. Should I possibly put money into the BRICS series of equity solutions and possibly their versions of securities, whatever it is the BRICS nations are offering? Because I guarantee you, as as an American investor, I have been able, if I did, I, I haven't, but I would have been able to, and still am to this day, able to invest in Latin America. I can invest in China. I can invest in Brazil. I can invest in India. I can invest in all these places. Word on the street has it that the BRICS countries are starting to talk about a global, well, at least a BRICS commodity-based monetary system. And what I mean by that is their currency. There's word on the street that they want to back it by gold. They've been, all these countries, except maybe Brazil, have been buying gold I mean, Russia and China are insatiable for gold. India has been insatiable for gold since India has been India. That's it's a, it's, it had India has a, uh, they've always had a compelling use case for gold. They carry their wealth with them. It's like, it's, it, it, it's part of their culture, right? So you got India, China, and Russia which between them is a huge amount of humanity on the global stage. And they're talking about a gold backed currency, which is kind of bad for Bitcoin in the short term. I don't expect these guys to actually escape the greed that the West has shown them to perpetrate. They'll paper gold, they'll rehypothecate. It's going to be a mess. Eventually Bitcoin wins. It's just the, the, the question everybody asks is when? Is it t- today? Is it tomorrow? No, no, it's not. It doesn't win today, it doesn't win tomorrow, but probably sooner than we think and in a bigger way than we think. However, what happens if a lot of Americans who know they're not only no-coiners, they just literally don't even think about it. Not just about Bitcoin, they don't think about anything in cryptocurrency. What if they start deciding to suck the value out of residential real estate and start throwing it over into BRICS investment opportunities? What happens to housing prices? Now, if they do that with like a second mortgage or something like that and pull equity out of their homes, then nothing happens. But if a lot of investors hold more than one house, or you can only live in one house at a time, right? So if you've got five as an investor and you're looking at rate of return on your real estate property versus rate of return of what you might be able to get if you throw that money into bricks, you might see a whole bunch of people cut and run before Bitcoin has anything to do whatsoever with pulling the premium out of real estate. This is what I suspect is actually going to happen. There's way too much Value attached to the utility that is housing for the reasons we read about before. Just because, just because the United States government and the rest of the West and central bankers and the WEF and the International Monetary Fund and several other central banks around the world that are attached to the West have completely crushed the hopes and dreams of their own currencies and help to crush and, and destroy the dreams of people under other currency regimes, people flooded into housing. Where am I going to put my money? Where am I going to put my money? Well, buy houses. BlackRock's doing it. Blackstone's doing it. Everybody's doing it. We'll buy houses. Housing prices skyrocket. And then all of a sudden, the, we get this rug pull because that's what's going on right now. The entire West is being rug pulled by Xi, Putin, and M- M- Modi. I guess is how you pronounce the India guy's name, and whoever Bolsonaro in, in in Brazil. I mean, come on, guys it it doesn't take it doesn't take a rocket science scientist to figure this shit out. So, I'm just saying, we may not have to wait. As far as housing is concerned, specifically residential housing, commercial real estate's already crushed. If I could go live in a commercial place, I would. <laughs> I could buy that shit for cheap, cheap, cheap. Residential, on the other hand, last domino to fall when it comes to real estate. So let's let's be wary about what's going on. Like I said, this is not financial advice, but i I think you would. I think you might uh, ha- get some value out of looking at the potential of what happens if a shit ton of people decide to start investing in bricks that are not citizens of any one of those four countries. I'm just saying. Now let's continue on, as if the egg situation with ordinals wasn't bad enough. Now we got stamps, Bitcoin stamps, NFTs are gaining. On ordinals, Andrew Thorvalis from Decrypt.co, there's another wave of NFTs starting to flood the Bitcoin blockchain and they're not in the form of ordinals. The emergent stamps, which stands for Secure Tradable Art Maintained Securely Protocol, is proposing a different method of embedding image data into the OG blockchain, making different trade-offs compared to the inscription technology that exploded in popularity earlier this year. All right, we're going to pause here because there's something to unpack on that. This is the stamps thing is not an NFT on ordinals. It's not using the ordinals protocol. This is a second Protocol, like ordinals, but not ordinals. So now, when ordinals gave you a gave people a gateway to do their stupid crap on Bitcoin, now we have a second door opening to do even more stupid shit on Bitcoin. So just be aware that this is occurring. Rather than storing image data within prunable transaction witness data, Bitcoin stamps store it directly within spendable transaction outputs, directly in the UTXOs. Quote, by doing so, the data is preserved in such a manner that is impossible to prune from a full node. Preserving the data immutably forever, wrote pseudonymous stamps creator, Mike in space, oh, this guy, on the project's GitHub page. The developer noted that he is already in discussions with emblem and and hero wallet to arrange protocol integrations, the former of which will allow users to buy and sell stamps on OpenSea. As ordinal surged earlier uh, in February, proponents argued that they were superior to NFTs on other platforms because they store image data within the Bitcoin blockchain. By contrast, shitcoin number one NFTs are usually just image pointers pointing to centralized hosting services, which can be changed by anyone with control of the image URL. Yet, even Ordinal's data can be pruned by choice by individual node runners, limiting the immutability and decentralization benefits of such NFTs. As such, Bitcoin stamps go all the way, forcing nodes to store their image data across many different unspent transaction outputs, or UTXOs. The NFT is then broadcast across the network using Counterparty, an old protocol that ushered in Bitcoin images back in 2014 before the term NFT even existed. Think rare Pepe's, ladies and gentlemen, quote, they are good for the preservation of art forever by storing them securely on the strongest ledger ever devised by man. Backed by proof of work, the creator told Decrypt via DM. He added that other services are already being built atop the Stamps protocol, such as a name service by Rarity Garden. But storing data across all Bitcoin nodes comes at a cost, quite literally. In fact, the protocol creator suggests using Stamps for lightweight 24 by 24 pixel, eight color depth PNG or GIF files to make up for their implicit storage cost. Yeah, nobody's going to listen to that. Quote, the constraints of this canvas are ideal for pixel art, he wrote on GitHub. In particular, the CryptoPunks use a native resolution of 24 by 24 pixels. Stamps also come with the benefit of being semi-fungible. They can be issued as a one of one or one of many digital assets. Trevor.BTC on Twitter, host of the Ordinal Show, recognized this feature as similar to the Ethereum or shitcoin number one, ERC-1155 multi-token standard, and as a reason for their remarkably fast growth. The Stamps website shows that over 800, no, 8,300 Stamps have been minted since their launch on March the 7th, compared to under 500 ordinals within the same time period after their launch. That said, the number of ordinals on Bitcoin only continue to grow now standing at over 910,000 inscriptions to date. According to Dune analytics, uh, major brands, including board yacht club and Bugatti have already adopted the tech. Okay. I know what you're saying. Uh, I I read something on Nostr. Actually, it was like last week may have even been as, as far back as two weeks ago. um, somebody was losing faith in Bitcoin because of ordinals. And I'm not going to say who, because I, I don't remember, but even if I did, I, I wouldn't say. Um, I think the, think the, uh, the statement was, um, the more and more ordinals uh, get on Bitcoin, the less and less I'm enthralled with, with Bitcoin itself or something to that matter. And this was somebody who I considered pretty much, you know, a full-scale Bitcoiner. So when I see that kind of, when I see the faith shaken of that kind of person, it makes me pause and think about what to say about stamps. What are you going to do? What go to, what are you going to do? I mean, where are you going to go? And I'm not, you know, begging you to stay. That's not the point. I'm just saying, let's look at this realistically. If you yourself are, well, goddamn, now here's stamps. It's yet another protocol. Yeah, and more are coming. This doesn't end. Everybody said that Bitcoin makes all the rest of the shit coins um, not unusable. What am I saying? Um, Unnecessary. okay. Did you think about the other side of that equation when you were formulating that thing? Because the other side of the equation is if Bitcoin indeed makes all other shit coinery unnecessary, it's going to flow into Bitcoin and we're seeing it flow into Bitcoin. Do I think it's good for Bitcoin? I don't know. Do I think it's bad for Bitcoin? I don't know. I'll tell you this though I don't care. I don't care. You know why I don't care? Because I'm zapping like a fiend on Noster. I'm zapping almost everything that, if I even remotely like what something wrote or some kind of meme made me smile, it's an automatic somewhere between five and 10 uh, Satoshis. Ordinals are not stopping me from departing value from my lightning wallet to somebody else's lightning wallet. Stamps are not going to stop me from imparting my value from my lightning wallet to somebody else's lightning wallet because I found value in what they did. So therefore ordinals and stamps don't make me a hill of difference. The one thing that I find most, the one thing that I do find disheartening about the actions of Mike in space is that he's always been a kind of an asshole. And he's demonstrated on more than one occasion that he doesn't like Bitcoin. And then when somebody pushes back on him, he goes, "No, man, I'm just I'm just being adver- I'm just thinking adversarially." There are people out there that just want to troll. And that's what this is. I honestly don't believe that Mike in Space himself was able to actually fabricate this without a shit ton of help. I don't think the man is that smart. I'm sorry, Mike, I don't I I just don't find you compelling at all. I stopped listening to anything that you had to say like 4 years ago. And here you are again, trying to jack with us. And it's honestly, it's not going to work. The insidiousness of the fact that it's forcing it all the way through to UTXOs is something that I got to say, it's kind of, it's not brilliant as much as it is. Okay, well, if they're going to prune their nodes, then we got to find a way to make sure that they, they can't prune this. And what can you not prune? Transactions. You can't prune a UTXO. Because at that point, you're not getting the entirety of Bitcoin's blockchain, which you would need to be able to run even a pruned node. So if you're running a full node or a pruned node, you're still seeing all the transactions. You're still processing transactions in the mempool. If those transactions carries this so-called stamp with it, well, then you're processing that. I wish he wouldn't have done it, but if it hadn't have been Mike in space, it would have been some other asshole. I guarantee it. And we're going to get even more insidious stuff over on Bitcoin in the future. You can't stop it. That doesn't mean that you've got to like it. It doesn't mean that you have to embrace it. It doesn't mean that you got to sing Kumbaya with Mike in space, but it does mean that if you don't get your shit straight about what Bitcoin is then you're going to do something stupid like sell all your Bitcoin and go into buying housing and flipping housing and reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad five times in a row and getting fucking nothing out of it. Telling you, man, this is just, it's just assholes being assholes and not understanding where it is that we are in history because they are so weighed down with the way they were raised that they cannot possibly see anything other than tokenization of crap, yield farming, rehypothecation, loans, leverage. It's the same shit. Mike in space is no more a Bitcoiner than Adam Schiff is. He's no more of a Bitcoiner (coughs) than Krugman is. He's no more of a Bitcoiner than any of the other legacy financial guys. Bitcoin will survive. And I know because nothing is going to stop me from zapping individuals on Noster. Nothing is going to stop me from boosting my favorite podcast on Podcasting 2.0. If you're worried about stamps in combination with ordinals, then it's time to go back to the basics and read about what Bitcoin is, how it works, why it's here in the first place. While you do that, let's do this. Braden Landria, Cointelegraph, Jane Street, Tower Research and Radix are Binance's VIP clients in the CFTC suit, according to a report. Trading firms Jane Street Group, Tower Research Capital and Radix Trading have been reportedly identified as Binance's three VIP clients that were anonymously cited in the recent lawsuit filed against Binance, according to an April 5th Bloomberg report citing "quote people familiar with matter." Radix Trading is a trading firm, is trading firm A, as described in the Commodities Futures Trading Commission's lawsuit, while Jane Street was trading firm B and Tower. Trading firm C, the firms on the CFTC's list were examples of U.S. clients allegedly able to access Binance. Not Binance.us, Binance. These are big names, and they are, they are out of, so far out of compliance with, with United States regulatory stuff, it's not even funny. Holy crap. (laughs) The Wall Street Journal first reported on March the 28th that Radix Trading was trading firm A. Radix co-founder Benjamin Blander told the WSJ in, in a March 30th report that he believed the firm acted legally even when trading with Binance's offshore entity. The claimed VIP treatment from Binance included lower transaction fees and faster trading services, the CFTC said in a filing. The firms provided Binance with liquidity on the exchange and Binance gained the corresponding trading fee revenues. It was part of a strategy that actively facilitated violations of U.S. law by helping United States trading firms evade Know Your Customer Compliance standards, among other things, the CFTC alleged. Binance allegedly enabled Radix to sidestep compliance controls by providing them information on accessing Binance.com through a virtual private network, VPN, to obscure its IP address, The CFTC claimed the trading violations to have come about as Binance-prioritized commercial success over compliance with U.S. law. However, Binance CEO Peng Zhao vehemently denied the claims of compliance and market manipulation violations in a follow-up post on March the 28th. So, some very large United States trading firms are directly out of compliance by associating with an entity that is Binance and not Binance.us. It, you know, and now we now look at the Restrict Act. $250,000 fine, 20 year prison sentence for interacting with what? A website or digital service through a VPN in order to obscure your IP address. Woo! Ralph Lauren, in the Annals of Stupidity, debuts in-store crypto payments and NFT gifts in Miami, Decrypt.co, Sander Lutz. Ralph Lauren is going crypto. On Tuesday, the American Fashion Company announced the opening of a new luxury-focused concept store in Miami's Design District, which will accept cryptocurrency payments and serve as the focal point for a targeted push into the city's active Web3 community. The store, which opens today, will offer products from the company's company's men's purple and women's collection luxury label as well. Oh, excuse me, I burped on you. Oh, dude, that's embarrassing. As well as one of a kind handbags and other accessories exclusive to the Miami store. Items will be available for purchase in Bitcoin, Shitcoin-1, Shitcoin-2, and Shitcoin-3, and other cryptocurrencies via a partnership with crypto payment service provider BitPay. This marks the first time that a Ralph Lauren store has ever accepted cryptocurrency as payment. The Miami storefront will serve as a focal point for Ralph Lauren's burgeoning Web3 push, hosting a series of innovative and immersive moments throughout the year per press release. The store's design itself also leans into a more modern and digital aesthetic with interactive screens that lit users browse, lit users browse the brand's catalog and book styling appointments. To kickstart its season of interactive com, uh, customer re- experiences, Ralph Lauren on Tuesday also announced a multi-tiered partnership with Miami-based Web3 Leisure Community Pool Suite, all Pool Suite community members will soon be gifted a Pool Suite X Ralph Lauren NFT, which will unlock access to an exclusive in-person event. That event, according to a person, person familiar with the matter, will be one component of a three-day immersive experience at a waterfront private estate in Miami in late April. Over those three days, a number of Web3 activations will be hosted for influencers customers, and pool suite ex-Ralph Lauren NFT holders to commemorate the Miami store's opening. Additional details about further immersive Ralph Lauren events have not been revealed. Miami, long a hotbed of crypto activity, has embraced the novel technology for years. A number of dominant Web3 companies, including Yuga Labs, blah, 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 are based in the Oceanside City. The annual Bitcoin conference and increasingly NFT-centric art Basel Miami Beach events are also in town. The city previously launched a Miami coin crypto token. Yeah, 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 we know. Does it just, is there anything else here? Uh, Ralph Lauren's Web3 push arrives amid an ongoing bear market and current uh, dismal public perception of crypto and NFTs. But amid those conditions... Established brands, particularly luxury lifestyle ones have continued to line up to offer their wares to select to curated groups of high impact customers via NFTs and other blockchain based tools. This is all bullshit. And honestly, it could be used as a tool. Like let's say this. Okay. Tinfoil hat fully 100% planted on my head. Gary Ginsler calls up Ralph Lauren, talks to Ralph Lauren, CEO and says, Hey, I need you to do this. I need you to make a huge public announcement with all the fanfare, and you're gonna spend money on it, or we're going to start looking into how you're conducting your business. I mean, is it possible that you've offered illegal securities? We'll we'll talk about that, but you can circumvent all that shit if you do what I tell you to do right now, and that is to accept cryptocurrency for your goods and services. In fact, I want you to open a store in Miami, a big one, an expensive one, We're going to get all the hoopla and it's going to be in the fashion magazines. It's going to reach out to all the people that are basically so dumbed down by the legacy financial system over the last 150 years that they can't think straight so that they'll be excited about it and they'll write about it and they'll tell other their friends about it. And then when we call you up the next time and pull the plug, it's going to be see how cryptocurrency failed. I would not put it past them. The hell they embedded... CIA folks in journalism offices around the world, people. Operation Paperclip. That's not that's not tinfoil hattery. That actually happened. They put FBI at Twitter. They had offices. Twitter welcomed them with open arms. Why would you think it would not be outside the realm of possibility for them to hook up with a fashion mogul or a, a fashion brand like Ralph Lauren, which is one of the largest brands on the planet to get all into crypto and then make an announcement a month later saying this shit doesn't work. Nobody used it. Wouldn't surprise me one bit last up Chinese state insurance firm launches two, not one, but two crypto funds in Hong Kong, Helen parts coin telegraph, The Chinese government appears to be more bullish on the cryptocurrency industry than one might think, as a major state company is reportedly launching new cryptocurrency funds. CPIC Investment Management, a subsidiary of China Pacific Insurance, is launching two crypto funds in partnership with the investment firm Waterdrip Capital, the local tech-focused news agency 36KR reported on April 3rd. Pausing to let you know that the reason I'm enunciating insurance company is because that's important to note insurance, insurance owned by the central government of China, the Shanghai Shanghai municipal government in China securities, finance CPI is the second largest property insurance company in mainland China after the people's insurance company of China. The new crypto funds reportedly include a venture capital fund called the Pacific WaterDrip Digital Asset Fund 1, which will focus on investments in early-stage blockchain projects. The second fund, the Pacific WaterDrip Digital Asset Fund 2, will reportedly manage proof-of-stake digital assets. According to the report, the new crypto funds will target institutional and wealthy private investors. WaterDrip is a global investment institution supporting blockchain-related projects and crypto startups. Founded in 2017, Waterdrip is known for supporting the Chinese crypto mining industry and investing in projects like Polkadot-based decentralization Web3 Network, Peak. That's with a Q. The firm took to Twitter to confirm the news today, stating that the launch of the two joint crypto funds relates to the implementation of incentive policies related to virtual assets by the Hong Kong government. CPIC did not immediately respond to Cointelegraph's request for comment. The article will be updated pending new information. The news comes amid the government of Hong Kong growing increasingly committed to developing local cryptocurrency infrastructure, distinguishing its crypto regulation approach from China's crypto ban enforced in 2021. In late March, online reports suggested that some crypto firms in Hong Kong have been increasingly attracting interest from Chinese state-owned banks. All right, so yes, it's about crypto, and I, I get that, but it's it's important because it's insurance. I know you want me to tell you why that's important, but I'm sort of out of gas. I mean, we've been going for an hour and a half. <coughs> I'll say this. Behind real estate, insurance is probably the largest industry on the planet that has any connection at all to do with assets and straight up money cuz insurance companies if they need to cut a check because somebody made a claim and that claim was like yeah the building fell down and you insured it for 500 million dollars or whatever it was and let's, let's call it let's call it 5 billion dollars building falls down insurance investigators go out and go, yep, yep, this wasn't done on purpose, this was a structural failure and we insured against it, so we gotta come up with a shit ton of money because the client paid the premiums. When they start looking at cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin in my opinion, then it's because they see that as a more stable, value source than something like U.S. Treasuries, right? So that's why it's important. That and the fact that insurance is a huge industry in every country. Almost every country has some form of of insurance offerings to their citizenry, whether through government or for the most part through private issuance. It's important. Insurance is not something to be sneezed at. We talk about real estate all the time. And we clearly know that's not to be sneezed at. However, all real estate is what? It's insured. Just think about that. That's going to do it for the Morning Roundup. You know, I was arguing with my wife and figured that it was like reading a software license agreement. In the end, I ignore it all and click, I agree. So a gentleman asked a question on Noster the other day about getting into a fight with his wife and he couldn't understand what the hell happened. I've been there. It's like, what the hell? I was like, I I walked into the room. Why are the hell are you mad at me about that? got to understand something about, not, and this isn't about women, this is just about either either partner, right? Wife, husband, whatever. If they're human, if you're not married to an alien, or in Elon's case, a dog, then you're dealing with a human being. And human beings sometimes go out and they do things on their own, and they have their own experiences, and sometimes those experiences piss them off. You don't know anything about that experience until they come home. And even then you may not know about it until you say something the wrong way that just pink, just drops a screw for the other person and they light your ass up and figure out anything that you've done in the past six months to make you feel bad because they're pissed off. Not because they hate you, uh, you know, not because they, they wanna kill you and not because they wanna take an insurance policy out on your ass and then kill your ass. Because that's, honestly, there's always, if one spouse kills another spouse, there's always an insurance policy involved. And it's always nefarious. Ask me how I know. (laughs) I'm just saying, yeah. don't let your heart be troubled by shit like that. Don't fix it. If you need advice, this is advice. It's not financial advice. It's marital advice. Don't try to fix it. And by the way, this doesn't mean that one day I might not end up divorced. I'm just saying, you know, because things happen that you can't can't guard against. But right now, what I can say is this. If you get into an argument with your wife, don't try to fix it. Just give her space. Maybe she's got something that she's chewing on. She does like it was something bad. She doesn't know how to explain it to you yet. You did something that just kind of brought that up again and she just exploded it happens we're human you don't need an explanation i it took me years to learn this i still haven't fully learned that lesson yet i don't have to immediately come to the aid and fix what's wrong right and neither do you whether it's your husband your wife your kids what is necessary is that you back off you say okay okay And just give them some space. But if you try to sit there and try to fix it and wrench it and torque it and put a screwdriver on it and hammer it back into position, it's just going to get worse. So take that as it may. I want to thank everybody for getting me closer to being back into the top 10. I do appreciate that. I mean, every time you guys do that, I appreciate it what I would like to see more of is just more listeners because when I think about it from, from the standpoint, it's like, well, of course you want more listeners. You dummy, you want to, you want to grow the show. Yeah, but there's another thing to it. If it was, if we weren't in podcasting 2.0, by the way, go to podcastapps.com or newpodcastapps.com and find your next new modern podcasting application and get off that legacy shit. Um, if it, if we weren't in podcasting 2.0, then at that point, all I've got is I need more listeners so that I can get advertisers so that they can pay me and sponsor the show because there was no mechanism for you guys to give me value because you thought I gave you value with podcasting 2.0. The model is completely different. So now if I say that I want more people to listen to this show, sure. Sure. I'll get more boostograms. I'll make more sats. But I'll be doing it off of a broader user base, and I won't have to depend on the same people that love the show, that like what I do, want me to continue to do it. And it's not that that's not fair, but I think it would be more fair if there were more people. And the more people I can get to listen to the show, the chances are good. My reliance on you guys that are already got me from 19 place 19 to place 14 in fountain charts, I will not have to rely on you as much. And that makes it easier for you to support the other people in podcasting that you want to support. Because it can't be just a few people. It's got to be all of us. We're all in this together. So this time, I asked you yesterday to get me into the top 10, and I still want to get to the top 10, but I'm going to give this one. And if you can't, or you don't want to stream Satoshi's five-star review on Apple podcasts, which shit works every time it does, it works every single time. And it doesn't cost you anything except your time, which I realize you'll never get back. And therefore I appreciate it just as much as every single Satoshi streamed to me. And even though Satoshis right now are not valued as high as we would like them to be, that does not mean that they are not without what? Future value. And your time spent giving me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and telling your friends and family about it, making clips on Fountain and sending them out, and I just paid somebody a thousand sats for doing one for me, not because I asked him, because he did it himself, and I said, shit, he clipped my show, thousand Satoshis. So that's the deal. Every clip that I see, 1,000 Satoshis. If you clip it from my show, 1,000 Satoshis. If I don't do it, it's because I didn't see it. And I'm trying real hard to make sure that I see those on on Fountain App. Just saying, your time to do that, you may, even you yourself, may not think, that. well, it's only going to take like a couple of minutes. What does that future time mean? Think about that and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and...